As I scanned the international media on and after April 30th for its reporting on Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe's address to a joint session of the US Congress, one conclusion became blindingly obvious. It had not been the free press's finest hour. Time and again the speech was summarized in a single sentence. Abe had not apologized for Japan's role in World War II. End of story. Mercifully, the free flow of information along the internet, outside China of course, quickly made available the full transcript of Abe's speech and the ability to check it by listening on YouTube to Abe's actual words. So I was quickly able to perceive the shallowness and the downright inaccuracy of so much reporting of this event. Is it that too many of those who should be upholding a free press are instead secretly following the dictates and propaganda directives of the People's Republic of China? Perish the thought. So why is it that so many are still preoccupied with whether or not Japan apologizes again? After all, as Richard McGregor reminded us in a little-noticed but well-researched piece recently in the Financial Times, quote, such demands for Japan to apologize for the war are strange in one respect, as they imply that Japan has never done so. In fact, Japanese leaders and even the emperor have apologized, have expressed remorse, have displayed contrition, and have said sorry, take your pick, to Asian and Western countries in various ways, forums over the many years. In 2002, then-Japanese Prime Minister Junichiro Koizumi even apologized to North Korean despot Kim Jong-il for Tokyo's occupation of Korea in return for an acknowledgement of the kidnapping of Japanese by Pyongyang. The 70th anniversary of the war this year demands that Tokyo address the issue again, although it is not surprising Mr Abe might be doing so with reluctance. After all, many Japanese politicians and officials argue what is the point of offering apologies for the war when countries like China and South Korea don't seem minded to accept them, unquote. Sometimes I personally wonder if the truth is that Chinese and Korean civilizations were so psychologically shell-shocked when the previously despised Japanese briefly conquered them that there is absolutely no apology on earth from Japan that will ever get anywhere, however. So how did Shinzo Abe handle history as he became the first ever Japanese Prime Minister to address a joint session of the US Congress? As he started speaking, he established his personal relationship with the Prime Minister who signed the revised U.S.-Japan Security Treaty in 1960. Back in June 1957, Nobusuke Kishi, my grandfather, standing right here as Prime Minister of Japan, began his address by saying, and I quote, it is because of our strong belief in democratic principles and ideals that Japan associates herself with the free nations of the world. Fifty years has passed. Today, I'm honored to stand here as the first Japanese 
Prime Minister, ever to address your joint session. I extend my heartfelt gratitude to you for inviting me. Deftly, Abby mentioned the three U.S. senators and the former House Speaker who had all gone on to serve with distinction as ambassadors to Japan, plus the daughter of former President John F. Kennedy, plus the long-time leader of the Japanese-American community. As I stand in front of you today, the names of your distinguished colleagues that Japan welcomed as your ambassador come back to me. The Honorable Mike Mansfield, Rota Mondel, Tom Foley, and Howard Baker. On behalf of Japanese people, thank you so very, very much for sending us such shining champions of democracy. Ambassador Karen Kennedy also embodies the tradition of American democracy. Thank you. Thank you for Ambassador Kennedy all for all dynamic work you have done for all of us. We all miss Senator Daniel Inoue, who symbolized the honor and achievement of Japanese Americans. In an amusing sidelight, Abe mentions the democratic reason why he does not take offense when Americans call him Abe instead of Abe. As for my family name, it is not Abe. Some Americans do call me that every now and then. But I don't take offense. That's because, ladies and gentlemen, the Japanese, ever since they started modernization, have seen the very foundation for democracy in that famous line in the Gettysburg Address. The son of a former carpenter can become the president. The fact that such a country existed woke up the Japanese of the late 19th century to democracy. For Japan, our encounter with America was also our encounter with democracy. And that was more than 150 years ago, giving us a mature history together. So why was it that this mature history together was so tragically disrupted in the 1920s, 1930s and early 1940s. But Abe is primarily intent upon expressing regret for what happened to the United States rather than giving a history lesson on what happened to Japan. Before coming over here, I was at the World War II Memorial. It was a peace. It was a place of peace and calm that struck me as a sanctuary. The air was filled with the sound of water breaking in the fountains. In one corner stands the Freedom 
wall. More than 4,000 gold stars shine on the wall. I gasped with surprise to hear that each star represents the lives of 100 fallen soldiers. I believe those gold stars are a proud symbol of the sacrifices in defending freedom. But in those gold stars, we also find the pain, sorrow, and love for family of young Americans who otherwise would have lived happy lives. Pearl Harbor, Bataan Corridor, Coral Sea, the battles engraved at the memorial crossed my mind, and I reflected upon the lost dreams and lost futures of those young Americans. Unlike his speech to the Australian Parliament last year, Abe does not even mention the bitterness of the individual battles. Instead, he mixes historical reality with its human finality. History is harsh. What is done cannot be undone. With deep repentance in my heart, I stood there in silent prayers for some time. My dear friends, on behalf of Japan and the Japanese people, I offer with profound respect my eternal condolences to the souls of all American people that were lost during World War II. History is harsh. What is done cannot be undone. For me, this is a highly meaningful apology. Even though Abe never uses that word, even though his speech was not widely seen as such. Sometimes you can say sorry by simply stating reality. Abe then concludes the section of his speech dedicated to the past by employing an oratorical trick which, according to my memory, was first deployed by President Ronald Reagan in his annual State of the Union speeches to Congress. The trick is this. You introduce personalities who just happen to be in the public gallery and who your audience can relate to regarding the issue at hand. Abe introduces a tall, grey-haired U.S. general who commanded a company in the battle for Iwo Jima in 1945 and a Japanese grandson of the general Koribayashi who died leading the defence of Iwo Jima and was the key character in Clint Eastwood's movie masterpiece Letters from Iwo Jima. Ladies and gentlemen, in the gallery today is Lieutenant General Lawrence Snowden. Seventy years ago, in February... He landed on Iwoto, or the island of Iwo Jima, as a captain in command of a company. In recent years, General Snowden has often participated in the memorial services held 
jointly by Japan and U.S. on Yoto. He said, and I quote, we didn't and don't go to Yojima to celebrate victory, but for the solemn purpose to pay tribute to and honor those who lost their lives on both sides. Next to General Snowden sits that member Yoshitaka Shindo, who is a former member of my cabinet. His grandfather, General Tadamichi Kuribayashi, whose valor we remember even today, was the commander of the Japanese garrison during the Battle of Iwo Jima. What should we call this, if not the miracle of history? Enemies that had fought each other so fiercely have become friends, bonded in spirit. <laughs> to, to General Snowden, I pay tribute to your efforts for reconciliation. Thank you so very much. The trick works perfectly. The general and the diet members stand in the gallery, moving closer together and warmly shake hands, symbolizing Japanese-American togetherness. The audience stands amidst a deluge of applause. But before Abe leaves history and segues to current issues, he recalls one quaint gift and one big gift that helped Japan rise from post-war desolation in 1945. Seventy years ago, Japan had been reduced to ashes. Then came each and every month from the citizens of the United States gifts to Japan like milk for our children and warm sweaters and even goods. Yes, from America, 2036 Gods came to Japan, and it was Japan that received the biggest benefit from the very beginning by post-war economic system that the U.S. has fostered by opening up its own market and calling for a liberal world economy.